for overrated, I'm going to say I don't really like red ales. I don't like that super bready, yeasty taste at the end. Let's go ahead and dive into the hops. And first things first, how did you get into craft beer? Well, how I got into beer in general, uh, the skating tripods, you know, my, my Twitter handle. Uh, I played hockey with some guys that were older than me. So, you know, obviously uh, they were able to buy beer when we had games and open hockey and, and things of that sort. So that was kind of my foray, drinking a lot of Labatt Blue uh, growing up. But, um, you know, in terms of craft beer, you know, I just – there's a lot of good breweries in the Cleveland area, a lot of really good breweries in that area. So it was just very easy to, you know, kind of get involved with that. And then my wife and I really love to travel. And one of the things that we like to do when we travel is, is go brewery hopping, you know, not only to taste the different flavor profiles, but also because I think you kind of get a good feel for an area, you know, based on the breweries, based on kind of the, the people that are in there and, you know, the setups and all that, we just like to look for creative bars, you know, we go to a lot of tiki bars, dive bars, uh, craft breweries, all that kind of thing. It's just what we really like to do. We're not really uh, go to museum type of people. We'll see some outdoor sites and then kind of brewery hops. So it just became one of those things where craft breweries just you know, made sense to me to just kind of get involved with, starting with the background that I had in Cleveland and then kind of progressing with how we like to travel and, and kind of go into a lot of different places. As you mentioned, traveling is a way to taste a lot of different beers. I know a lot of people would go to Vegas as a travel destination, and I know there's a growing craft beer scene. Perhaps we can touch on that a bit. Not as much selection when it comes to being in a casino where a lot of the Vegas tourists will spend a lot of their time, but considering the options that one typically has available, you know, if they're playing some blackjack or craps or what have you, do you have a preferred casino beer, even if it's a notch or two below what you would expect, you know, if you're traveling or back in your roots in Cleveland at some of those upper tier craft breweries? Well, for the most part, if, if I'm gambling, it's, you know, a Coors Light, a Coors Banquet, something like that, just something pretty easy. Uh, you know, a lot of Lagunitas IPA in a lot of the casinos here. There are some casinos that have breweries as well. Ellis Island has its own brewery. That's a nice place with super cheap tables. Uh, there's a couple of breweries downtown. Main Street Station has a brewery. Also, Four Queens has Chicago Brewing Company in it. And the the mainstay IPA at Chicago Brewing Company at Four Queens really isn't that bad. So if you're looking for a craft beer inside of a casino, uh, that's probably the one that I would go with is the Chicago IPA. But that's also one that you have to get up there at the you know actual brewery, not really out there in the casino floor. Yeah, some good tips on very accessible craft beer for people staying, you know, downtown or more or less in the heart of Vegas. I also know out in Henderson, Bad Beat and Craft House, a nice one-two punch. I understand there's also a distillery there right now, so a lot to be had there. Or even Love in the Lady. Arts District. Love yes. Lady is good in Henderson. Uh, Mojave is a cool spot. The beer can be hit or miss. But, uh, but I mean, as, as far as Vegas, if we want to talk about that real quick, Beer Zombies is a really good bottle shop. There's three locations around town. And I know you were starting to go towards the arts district. Uh, Abel Baker's good. Cerveza Bottle Shop is really good. Um, the, the beer that's brewed here isn't necessarily great because the water is so awful in this town. 
but you know, a lot of the breweries are doing a lot of creative things in the bottle shops are, are pretty cool and get some stuff from California and some stuff from the East coast as well. I love it. And I know in your Twitter bio, you mentioned being an IPA aficionado and we will get there, but I've got to ask first, if we are to exclude IPAs, let's pretend for just a minute, sadly that IPA does not exist as a beer style. What would you say among all the other styles would be your most overrated and your most underrated? So uh, for overrated, I'm going to say I don't really like red ales. I don't like that super bready, yeasty taste at the end. Uh, that's just not a, a flavor profile that suits me. I can't say stouts or porters because I don't really like coffee, and I'm not a huge fan of chocolate in my beer. So it's just not really made for me. So I don't want to call it overrated just because you know it's not really a, a flavor profile that I gravitate towards. But underrated, I love sours. I'm a huge sour fan, whether it's a kettle sour, a smoothie sour, you know, a Berliner Weiss, whatever kind of sour it is, uh, really gotten into sours. My, my wife, uh, COVID, you know, did a number on her taste and smell. So, you know, going to breweries and all of that, we had to find things because she couldn't drink. Really, She loves bourbon. She can't drink it anymore because of what COVID did to her smell and taste. So we both kind of gravitated towards sours at the same time and I've definitely had some very, very, very good ones. And, um, you know, I know you said you're a Southern California guy. I was in Anaheim recently and I was at Bottle Logic, and every beer on the menu is good, but their sours are really, really good. I love hearing that from somebody who recently visited Bottle Logic because I know you're not into coffee. I actually have never had a cup of coffee, but their stouts are world class. And I think because of that, people overlook other options on the menu. They've been doing a lot of really fun stuff on the sour side. And my overrated style that I'll throw out there, we might butt heads a bit here, but I'm very eager for your thoughts uh, because you, you clearly know a ton about this space and um, have a lot of good context behind your own opinions. When I thought of an overrated style, the first thing that came to mind for me was the kettle sour. So let's see where this goes. Um, my rationale was that sour beer is difficult enough to define as it is. And I've just, I've had enough kettle sours that make me think that sometimes that style gives sours as a whole a bad name. And basically for people who aren't sure what sour beer is or how a kettle sour might be different, a lot of times a kettle sour can be a rushed version of a proper process. And when it's rushed, I feel like that process can be reflected in the end result. I've tried a lot of beers that are almost sugar bombs, perhaps a bit more candy than beer. Sometimes literally brewers will add candy to you know the other ingredients that they're brewing with. Um, I've had some kettle sours where it just feels like you're being served diabetes in a glass. And as a rule of thumb, I do want to, you know, try to encourage people to delay judgment. Sour beer as a category may not be for everybody. But my initial thought is that if you haven't had a barrel aged sour done properly, then maybe you haven't had a real sour beer. That said, I know you mentioned a sour off the top that sounded really interesting. And that that sounded like it might be a kettle sour. I've had a lot of really good Berliner Weisses. So not trying to be militant on this, but I've had enough kettle sours that have raised some serious red flags for me. What do you look for when you have a kettle sour that you enjoy that you think um, doesn't maybe deviate too far from a proper brewing process? Yeah, I think it's a fair point. You know, I think I would say most of the kettle sours would have to be specifically tailored towards like the kind of citrus or, or the kind of fruit that goes into it that I like the flavor profile of like a guava or like a passion fruit, something like that. Um, you know, because as you said, you know, it is kind of a rushed process. Uh, I, I much prefer smoothie sours to kettle sours, but 
you know, I'll, I'll try any kind of sour typically that's on a menu just because also too, like when you live in a place where it's a hundred degrees, IPAs can be a bit of a challenge sometimes, especially if it's kind of more of the, the pioneer flavor profile, you know, stuff like that. If it's a juice bomb, that's awesome. If it's not, you know, that's something that can be kind of difficult when it's a hundred degrees outside. So do kind of gravitate more towards the sours in that respect. But, but to your point, yeah, it's, it's almost like sometimes kettle sours can kind of be almost like a session IPA kind of thing to me where it's just the flavor profile is really muted. It's going to be a good kettle sour for me to like it. But I was just kind of throwing out that, you know, just generally speaking across the profile, uh, you know, I, I do like a lot of the sours that are out there. Yeah. And, and I'll say when it comes to sour beer as a whole, I really have appreciated a ton of them. I think it's something that could use a little bit of refinement when it comes to how it's marketed and maybe how, to your point, a smoothie style sour versus a kettle sour versus a barrel aged sour. Sometimes if they're all grouped together, that can be really confusing to a lot of people. Um, but even with kettle sours, while I, I think that I thought a lot that I would probably consider overrated when you mentioned being somewhere, you know, if it's a hundred plus degrees out and you just want something really cool and refreshing with a nice fun flavor profile, um, you know, done right. I will maintain that there is a time and place for every beer and kettle sours can certainly fit in perfectly well with that statement. I'll throw out one style that I also consider to be underrated. And you mentioned, I think when you were talking about red ales, not liking anything that's too yeast forward, so let's see how you feel about this one. But the classic Saison is one of my favorite styles. Uh, light, refreshing, flavorful. It's a little bit fruity, sometimes a little bit spicy. Again, this is a yeast-driven beer style. Sometimes a lot of notes of banana, maybe a little bit of clove or pepper. Also, a lot of fresh-baked bread comes from a lot of really well-done classic Saisons. And if I'm to think about a baseball analogy, bringing things full circle... The Saison to me is like that utility player that's just solid in any setting. I mean, modern day comp might be something like a Ben Zobrist going a bit more old school, perhaps a Tony Phillips. The Saison just always seems to hit the spot in some way. It's always got a nice role to play in my book, but as a more yeast driven beer and perhaps one that isn't as widely available everywhere, I hope to see more of them, especially as we approach summertime here. Uh, what would you say? Any thoughts on the Saison style? Yeah, Saisons aren't really too much up my alley. I, I kind of group them sort of like a farmhouse ale type thing. Just not yes. really not really something that I like a whole lot. If, if I'm going to do something that's really light like that, I'd probably go more like the Blonde Ale route, you know, um, sort of along the lines of like a Kona Big Wave type thing. Um, you know, just something. If I'm going to look for something very light and sort of crushable, so to speak, I'd probably gravitate more towards a Blonde Ale than, than something like a Saison. Fair enough. And I'll note that out here, I think in Nevada as well, Firestone 805 is a really good example of a Blondale that tends to be pretty widely available throughout the Western United States. And um, just a couple of examples, if people aren't as familiar with Saison, um, if you do listen, uh, you know, if anything I said resonates about why it's underrated and you want to give it a shot, I would say Saison DuPont is perhaps the textbook example of the style. And that's made by Brasserie DuPont in Belgium. So they're the OGs of the Saison, the farmhouse ale, as you said, Adam. Uh, and that's still pretty widely available in the U.S., even though it originates in Belgium. So that's one to look out for. Also something made domestically, a beer like Tank 7 by Boulevard Brewing, um, one of the better Saisons. In fact, I think at the Mega Bar, the Mega Bar is at Circa, right? Long bars at the D. Mm -hmm. um, at the Mega Bar, uh, right after the NCAA championship game and the formal conclusion of Bet Bash, I had Tank 7 
by Boulevard, uh, a Saison on tap at Circa, and it, it just didn't get much better than that. But, you know, if you're feeling more like Adam and that's not always the lane you want to go down with Saisons, somewhere I'm sure that we will see eye-to-eye getting into IPAs. Adam, tell me about the IPA that really won you over on that particular style. Yeah, so I would say keeping with the Ohio theme, although this is a brewery down in Cincinnati, if you ever get the chance to go, it's a very, very cool spot. Awesome rooftop that kind of overlooks the city, but also the Ohio River. Hustle from Rheingeist was was probably the first IPA that I really had that you know, it's kind of like, damn, this is pretty good. You know, um, it's it's obviously a much different flavor profile, you know, for somebody that kind of drank a lot of more like Labatt and Coors Light types of things. I mean, shit, we had a place that we went after Friday night open hockey that had Genesee on tap for like six cents an ounce. I mean, you know, I wasn't, wasn't picky growing up. Nobody's picky really when you're growing up, although maybe that dynamics changed now. I don't know, but a uh, hustle from Rheingeist, really the whole Rheingeist portfolio. Truth was another one that, you know, kind of looking at those were, were beers that really started getting me into the IPA sector. Then some stuff from mad tree, like psychopathy, um, you know, just some of the, some of the beers that I kind of had, like, I went down to Cincinnati for, you know, the uh, an Indians game and went to Rheingeist and, you know, just started kind of trying beers there because I knew about their reputation. And then things just kind of evolved from that point. Love it. I will throw out Sierra Nevada Pale Ale as the beer that won me over on the style. I know that's cheating a bit. It is a pale ale, but I'll say that's close enough to a lot of the characteristics that people assign to IPA these days. It really did acclimate me to the classic, you know, more piney and bitter hops that not everybody loves but it's you know again a pretty traditional piece of the style and now it really makes the more citrusy and tropical ipas much more approachable even if those more fruit forward ipas come with a higher abv attached so sierra nevada pale ale um still an absolute classic really went a long way in winning over myself and i think countless other beer drinkers on all things pale ale and ipa related yeah, no, that's a good one. I, I've also I had torpedo out of a cask one time that was really really good. Um, I don't. It seems like it's pretty rare to get that, but that was really good. Um, you know, and, and then I kind of started to gravitate towards you know more of the the other local stuff like a Bell's. You know, um, looking at uh, Three Floyds like a Laser Snake. Um, you know, stuff like the Zombie Dust. You know, some of that stuff that was really kind of popping up in the area. And then, you know, another good friend of mine, one of my longest tenured friends, uh, you know, he was a big IPA guy. So I kind of got into more of those as he was getting them and, you know, all that just it really evolves. You know, your your beer palate, I think, is something that really, truly evolves the older that you get. And sometimes I wish I liked coffee. You know, my old neighbor back in, in my house in the Cleveland area, he had all the barrel aged you know, stouts and porters and all that. And I'd go out of town and pick stuff up for him. He'd go out of town, pick stuff up for me. Um, you know, I like that, that, so that sort of network, you know, that, that kind of camaraderie that you get, you know, with, uh, with people that like to try a bunch of different beers. As you talk about tastes evolving and the camaraderie you can build with others, I see a parallel to, you know, what we talked about with music in part one of this conversation and uh, with that said, you've dropped a lot of really great beer names already since we got talking IPAs. If you're to think of a Mount Rushmore of IPAs, what would go down as the top four in your book? So I, I don't think there's any recency bias in this, but I did find it recently out here at Beer Zombies. They got some stuff from Other Half in, in Brooklyn, New York, and it was more Citra than all Citra. And it was like a by about a 10% double um damn it it was good 
that was one of the best IPAs that I've ever had. Uh, other half makes really good stuff. My buddy actually went there one time. He said it, it's in like the shadiest area possible, but the beer is yep. really, really good. Uh, another one for me, there's a brewery in Sandusky, Ohio called Clag, which is cocky little Asian guy. Uh, Kaz, the name of the head brewer, also really good food there too. For anybody that's driving like I-90 or I-80 across Ohio or going to Cedar Point, something like that, make a stop at Clag in Sandusky. All of his IPAs are absolute juice bombs. His brother owns The Answer in Richmond, Virginia, if anyone's ever familiar with that one. Uh, but he had a beer called Let's Folking Ride that was really, really, really good. Uh, another one from down in New Orleans, actually, and, and they actually – I have other locations in Texas. I think the main locations in Texas, but urban South did a triple IPA called tranquil dawn. That um, that's one I I've only had once. I only had one can of it one time and I will never forget it. So that one's really, really good. And then to throw it back local, if you ever go to Cleveland for a, for a baseball game or for the rock hall or a Browns game or, or whatever the case may be, my favorite brewery in the Cleveland area is masthead. And they have a triple IPA called Dream Crusher that sometimes is with passion fruit. Sometimes it's with a bunch of different other stone fruits and stuff like that. It all depends on how they brew it. But Dream Crusher is an exceptional uh, IPA from Masthead Brewing Company. Love it. And I love that we have no overlap here. So I'll throw out my four pretty quickly and people will get, you know, two Mount Rushmore's for the price of one. I've got to start with Julius by Treehouse in the Boston area. Uh, that is just the king of the New England IPA in my book. The first time I had it, it's like a lot of mango and stone fruit, also super citrusy. It just really blew my mind. It really expanded my horizons the first time I ever had that beer. And it's still a huge treat every time I can get my hands on any Julius by Treehouse out of the Boston area. More in my neck of the woods, there's a hazy triple IPA that I love. It's actually a triple dry hop, triple hazy IPA called Chow 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 by Monkish in the LA area. And I would say that that's probably the best hazy IPA that I've ever had that's made on the West Coast. So uh, Monkish just leading the way with the style and that's triple dry hopped all with Citra. And for a triple IPA, kind of like the other half beer that you mentioned, more Citra than all Citra, I believe you said by other half. Uh, Chow Chow Chow, uh, only one batch so far. Hopefully we get many more batches, not too far down the road. But it is just crazy how smooth it is. And it's got a pretty creamy body that, that makes it just really drinkable. And you get, you know, pretty minimal hint of the ABV, despite the fact that it's way up there. So be careful if you can ever get your hands on it. One glass, one can is probably more than sufficient, but it tastes absolutely phenomenal. Uh, going a bit more back to my roots growing up in the San Diego area, I'll also nominate Swami's IPA by Pizza Port. That is a quintessential West Coast IPA. It has that timeless hot profile of citrus and pine, also quite accessible and affordable. So I know that Julius by Treehouse, Chow 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 by Monkish, you kind of have to seek them out to get your hands on them. But a lot of people anywhere near the Western United States can probably find Swami's by Pizza Port just at a lot of grocery stores or beer shops for a very affordable price point. And that's a classic West Coast IPA. And all around my now, going back to Sierra Nevada with Celebration Ale. Um, again, Sierra Nevada out of Chico, California, releases annually what they dub a fresh hop IPA in celebration. It comes out later in the year after the hop harvest, uh, usually right around the time that we're early in the throes of football season. And celebration, a bit of an anomaly in that it's amber in color. So IPA might seem like a misnomer judging by the appearance. It's certainly not pale. 
Um, but the aroma and flavor definitely fit the bill. Uh, again, pretty old school kind of like swamis with some pine and bitterness, uh, along with something a little bit more on the fruit forward side of things to make it very approachable in my book. And it's fun because it's such a nice annual rite of passage. It always comes out around the holiday season. I think it's usually released mid to late October. And I think this is a national release that people can get just about anywhere. Um, so really nice for the Thanksgiving table or anything, you know, around Christmas time or New Year's. It holds up really well um, over the course of a couple months post-release and, you know, doesn't really have anything to do with the way the beer tastes. But the bottle and can art, now that they're canning it as well, just really knocks it out of the park. It's like a little cabin in the snow. Uh, it just screams to me like holiday season. And it's, again, such a nice annual rite of passage. I know that was also a favorite of David Molinsky's. And to me, that just gives it even more sentimental value. So can't go wrong with either Julius, Chow Chow Chow, Swami's, or Celebration Ale. Um, yeah, Adam, I think between your four and mine, we, we covered the country pretty well. I love the coast to coast and plenty of Midwest presence in between. Yeah, I was actually looking. I didn't want to be rude, but I, I remember when we were in Anaheim, we went when the Guardians were in town, we did go to Monkish. Um, didn't have that beer. I don't think it was on tap yet. If it sounds like it's something that's pretty recent, I think I had a jovial or, or something like that, however it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had one of those. Um, also, the modern times in Anaheim is really cool because there's a pool on site, which is pretty badass. Yes. Uh, I mean, and, and modern times is something that's, you know, pretty widely available for people. I know we're talking about some things that are kind of maybe a little bit more regional in nature, but so just to kind of piggyback off of that single cut, you can't go wrong with anything from single cut, uh, nimble giant from Trogues, which actually Trogues is one of my favorite breweries I've ever been to. And I accidentally stumbled upon it. I was visiting a friend and my wife and I got into an argument about where to eat and I got pissed off. She wanted me to go left. I went right. And I went right into Trogues, basically. I didn't even know that it was right there. Uh, wound up having some outstanding poutine with bone marrow gravy. That's beside the point. But Nimble Giant, a really, really good beer uh, from Trogues. It's probably a little bit more accessible and available to, uh, to people than some of the other ones we've talked about. I love it. I think Trogues would be the brewery that made it. It might be called Angry Elf. I got it once uh, around the holidays when I was back east to see my family. Not sure of the distro footprint there. I Am I correct in them being Philadelphia-based or at least Pennsylvania-based? Yeah, I, I think it was the main brew facility was in Hershey. Okay, that makes sense. Yep, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Cool, some real-time research. Uh, yeah, love all those extra recommendations. And that reminds me, weaving the Molenski Minute into part two of our conversation here, Dave was the master of a food and beer pairing. And I know that you were on Circles Off with Rob and Johnny. You mentioned Vegas being a phenomenal food town. What would you say, in addition to all the good beer spots you've addressed so far, what would be some of your top restaurant recommendations for people coming to Vegas anytime soon? Well, I'll give you one for the Strip, one for downtown, and then, and then a couple of other areas. But for the Strip, I mean, for me, it's Joe's Seafood Prime Steak and Stone Crab at, at Caesars Forum Shops. I think that's the best steakhouse on the Strip. That being said, uh, I haven't gone to a place like STK yet. That's coming up. I'm going to go there later on this year. Uh, but Joe's is just really, really good, uh, really solid. Every time you go, the service is always exceptional. Uh, big fan of Joe's. As far as a place to go downtown, uh, I love the Fremont East area. So the end of Fremont opposite from Circa, uh, there's a place there's a place over there called Lay Thai that is really good. Great happy hour. Uh, they got these honey ginger wings or honey garlic wings. They're really, really good. Um, there's also a place around the corner called Downtown Cocktail Room from with uh happy hour everything's half off from five to seven tuesday through saturday so that's a great place doesn't have food uh, but a great place to go and drink but 
Joe's on the Strip is my favorite in terms of the strip restaurants. Lay Thai down on Fremont. Uh, good Pie in the Arts District. Evil Pie in Fremont East. Those are two really good places for pizza. And then in the Arts District where you can brewery hop, uh, Soul Belly Barbecue is, is the best barbecue place in town. My wife's from the South. I've had a lot of barbecue. Soul Belly is in the top five for me. And you can find that in the Arts District uh, right here in Vegas. Wow. Yeah, it's so fun to see how Vegas has evolved as a food town over, I don't know, the past decade or so since I started going there a couple times a year. Uh, it sounds like you're not only giving a lot of good guidance when it comes to, you know, the baseball and betting side of things or the beer, but really uh, a pretty good tour guides overview for anybody looking to make a trip to Vegas anytime soon, regardless of their betting and or beer preferences. Adam, one final question for you, then we'll wrap this up. Um, when it comes to mental health, it's something you touched on earlier in this conversation. I know you also elaborated on that being a big part of advice to your younger self on your recent conversation with Rob and Johnny. When it comes to the mental health and what betters can do to just break away from the screen from time to time, um, you know, all good things in moderation. I, I would say that some good food and some good beer can certainly help to just take off the edge and reset a bit. But also in your Twitter bio, you note being a traveler. And I'm wondering if you've got any summer travel plans lined up, anything that you're looking forward to anytime soon to just really, you know, break away a bit and recharge. Well, we just got back from Salt Lake City. We had 28 hours in Salt Lake City. We went to a concert. We saw Colby Cooper and uh, Pecos in the rooftops. So uh, a country show there in Salt Lake City. Uh, nothing else on the books. We're kind of masters of the 48-hour trip. Love to leave Friday night, come back Sunday night, you know, kind of brewery hop, see what we want to see. Um, I think that's something that's, that's really important, you know, especially if you don't have kids, you know, but you do have a significant other, just sort of being able to you know, get away from, get away from the desk, get away from the couch, not watch Netflix or Hulu or Prime or Paramount or, you know, Peacock, whatever else is out there, uh, you know, just being able to, to kind of step away and, and specifically from a betting standpoint, you know, we, we, we definitely have FOMO in terms of the card, you know, just don't want to miss anything. Don't want to have to catch up on anything. Don't want to miss a day. Look, the reality of it is that a lot of these days are the same in the betting world where, you know, a lot of the same things are going to happen. You know, if you miss a major injury and you spend two minutes on Twitter, you're going to see it, you know, so don't be afraid to step away, to take a day off, you know, to, to make sure you're tracking your results to play to your strengths. You know, it's just, to me, I think it's really important because, with anything, whether it's a relationship with somebody you love, your friendships, whatever the case may be, handicapping, you got to have a, a reasonable mindset to do any of those things and, and to be effective and, and maintain you know the, the levels of, of whatever you're trying to do. So I think it's really important to, to step away, see the world. You know, both my wife and I experienced uh, losing a sister when we were growing up. So we just kind of looked at it and said, you know what? You get one life. You have to live it. Make your memories. Make as many of them as you can. So to me, I think that really helps with my mental health is, is, you know, being able to have somebody who's there with me for that process, but also to get away as much as I can and as often as I can. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear about that shared experience losing a sister growing up, but I love your perspective and, and how you've taken that and use it as motivation to, to your point, get out and see the world. And just building on uh, what you said for a quick moment, the day of this episode's release, I will be in either Zion National Park or Bryce Canyon with my wife, who I refer to often on this show as Mrs. Props and Hops. We're going to be taking a road trip from LA. You know, that route goes through Vegas. We're going to have a nice vacation the week of the 4th. 
And when it comes to food and travel going well together, we're going to see a couple national parks. Um, another spot on the phenomenal Las Vegas food scene, Lotus of Siam. We've got our reservation booked. Um, haven't been to Leitai yet. It's always tough to pass on the chance to get to Lotus of Siam when we're in town. So I think between Zion, Bryce, getting Lotus on our way home is a quick stop. Kind of an ideal three-team parlay, if you will. Love the perspective to make sure that, you know, as much as we can pursue any bets on the board, sometimes the best bets on ourselves can just be seeing something new and experiencing something with a loved one. No, absolutely. You're completely right. I've been to Zion. Zion's gorgeous. You're going to absolutely love it. Haven't done Bryce Canyon yet, but uh, you're definitely looking forward to that one. And, and look, I mean, that's something, too, where you're not to run too long here. But before we even lived out here, if we were coming out for four or five days, there's only so much you know gambling and, and going to the pool you can do. We'd rent a car before we even lived here. We went to Valley of Fire State Park. We drove around Red Rock Canyon. We drove to the Grand Canyon. We've been to Joshua Tree. We've been to Zion. You know, those are things that, you know, look, I mean, it's, it's great to spend all your time on the strip. And, you know, obviously you get the uh, the free alcohol if you're gambling. But, you know, seeing seeing the country, there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, I think it's some of the favorite trips that I've done. We went to Bozeman for Thanksgiving last year, our first Thanksgiving away from both of our families you know, with uh, moving out here. Great time. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I think those things are, are really, really important for, for a lot of different reasons. And I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, you're combining fun with also seeing some new things. It's, it sounds like a great trip, man. Yeah. Can't wait for it, but I want to make sure before we wrap this up to go ahead and plug your work on VSIN very frequently as a sports betting analyst, people can also find you on Twitter. Uh, we've mentioned it in this conversation at skating tripods adam anything i'm missing or anything else you'd like to add no nothing you're missing i'm going to be a big part of our college football betting guide which will be coming out the last week of july i'll be writing several conference previews for that so looking forward to changing it up a little bit you know been doing a lot of baseball i do a daily article monday through saturday running down the mlb card talking about things i've seen pitchers to watch pitchers to follow my favorite plays for the day uh, I do the run line, 8 to 10 Eastern on Sunday nights, but also covering NFL, do a lot of college basketball for VEASAN as well. So, you know, not as much as I used to do when I used to have to cover golf and UFC and NASCAR and all that stuff too, but it allows me more time to do the deep dive digging of the sports that I feel like are my strengths. So a lot of good stuff over at VEASAN.com to check out. And I will say my MLB article is behind the paywall, but, you know, it's $19 to try that out for the next month through July 31st. So, if you want to check out what we've got, what I do, uh, you know, I know I'd be very appreciative of that and uh, appreciative of this show, Matt. I think you do a great job with it. I love the idea of talking about betting and and beer. I mean, you know, two two major parts of my life, two major parts of a lot of people's lives, I'm sure. So keep up the great work with this and, and definitely enjoy your downtime a little bit. Thanks. Really appreciate the kind words. And just to wrap this up, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you've enjoyed this conversation, the number one way you can support the show is to take just a few seconds, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Adam, once again, thanks for all your generous time and insight. I look forward to hopefully meeting up sooner rather than later in Vegas, perhaps to talk baseball over some good food paired with even better IPAs. That sounds good, Matt. Thank you, man. Props and I'm